in this cultural moment that we find ourselves in, people are reacting well and people are reacting not so well. Adults and children alike. Adults gripped by fear, children wondering what is happening next as routines are turned upside down, as the media is on a constant news cycle feeding us information, not knowing what to believe and not knowing uh, what not to believe. But the question I want to answer this morning is with the constant news cycle and in a culture, in a world gripped by fear, how is the Christian called to respond? And I want us to look at a passage this morning that might be familiar to several of you. It's found in Philippians chapter 4. It's in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And it's at the end of this letter to the church of Philippi, in Philippians chapter 4, we'll specifically be looking at verses 4 through 12, that Paul is a man who is imprisoned, he is a man who has been tortured, he is a man that is facing death and has every reason to be scared, and has every reason to be anxious. But he writes about a peace, an otherworldly supernatural peace that can only be found at the cross. Would you read along with me? Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 12. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true and whatever is honorable, whatever is just and whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation to be content. I now know how to be brought low. And I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And on this Lord's day... The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord found here in Philippians chapter 4, it stands forever. Amen. My little girl, just this past Friday night, asked me this question. Daddy, is this scary? And I'm sure that question has been asked all throughout our region and all throughout this world So that no matter whether you're seven 
or 87, the question has crossed all of our minds. Is this scary? What do we expect? How do we respond? And it's here in Philippians chapter 4 that Paul talks about in a situation and circumstance that he found himself in that was incredibly scary and incredibly anxious and incredibly fearful that Paul says there is a way to be content and experience a peace regardless of the situation. In fact, in in chapter 4, verse 6, he pits the reality of peace up against the reality of anxiety. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. The word there, anxiety, the the reality of being anxious there in verse 6, means to literally be torn to pieces by fear. And so in a region and in a city and in a nation and in a world that is being torn to pieces by fear, what is our response and what is our worldview? How does the Bible shape our worldview for such a time as this? Three choice, three truths that I want to go through briefly this morning here in Philippians chapter 4 concerning the peace that can be made available to all those who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Three truths concerning peace available to those that profess their trust in Jesus Christ. The first truth that we see concerning this otherworldly peace found in chapter 4 is how Paul defines peace, the definition of peace. Paul defines this type of peace that he's referring to in both verses 7 and 11. In verse 7, he speaks to what this type of peace is all about. He says in verse 7 that this peace which surpasses all understanding guards your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. You see, the peace that Paul defines here in Philippians chapter 4 is not defined as the world defines it. The world defines peace as the absence of fear. I'm sure you've heard people speak of that. That peace is the absence of fear. But Paul goes a step further and says not only is peace defined as the absence of fear, but the presence of God. You see, Paul defines this otherworldly peace not just by absence, but by presence. And it's in verse 7, he says that it is the presence of God that will guard your heart and your mind. The word guard there in verse 7 speaks to a military surrounding a city to protect it from invaders. And Paul says that is what the Christian has in moments of, in, in, uh, moments of anxiety, in moments of fear, that you have the presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit that guards and surrounds your heart and mind to protect it from the invader to protect it from the one who seeks to enter in to rob and destroy you, the one who seeks to deceive you, that God is not truly on his throne, that God is not truly making all things new. And so know that the Christian has a peace that not only is defined by the absence of fear, but by the presence of God, that right now, 
that as you sit there and listen to this message, in this cultural moment, your heart and mind is being surrounded and guarded by the power of the Holy Spirit protecting you and guarding you. It is not the absence of thoughts, but the presence of God's results through the gospel of Jesus Christ. But he also goes a step further. He not only defines it by the absent, not just by the absence of fear, but by the presence of God. But he also explains in verse 11 that this peace is defined by something that must be learned. In verse 11, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned I've learned what it means to have peace in every situation. In verse 12, he reiterates this reality. I've learned to have peace in every situation. You see, Paul is saying that this type of peace is not, does not come to us naturally. It's not a talent. You know, I often hear people say that the reason I'm able to stay calm is just I'm tough. Or that's just the way I am. And Paul says, no, this type of peace in the midst of anxiety, this type of peace in the midst of fear is something that is learned from God himself. That Paul understood that this is something that is, does not come naturally to him, but it must be learned over time. That's why we call our people, the people of God have always been called to learn the truth of God, to learn the truth of the realities of the gospel, that over time as God sanctifies us and he pours out his grace upon us every day, we learn what it means to be content. We learn to have that balance in life. That is what Paul is talking Talking about this inner peace, this calm, that regardless of the situation, we remain calm, but we must remember and understand that this is not something that can come to us naturally, but it's something that must be learned. That's why Paul is able to say that I can smile through prison and through torture, and even I can smile at my death. Because I have learned that my soul is to be anchored in something greater than anything this world can provide. I have learned, I have learned this calm so that I can have this poise, this gospel poise in any situation, in any circumstance. So he defines this peace by the presence of God and something that must be learned over time. But the second thing, the second truth that we see here is that Paul not only defines for us this otherworldly peace, but he speaks to the practice of peace. He speaks to the discipline of peace. And he helps us understand how we, in a real way, a real tangible way, can experience this peace and practice this peace every day of our lives. In verse 9, he even says it. He says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, he says, practice these things. Practice what? Well, the answer is found back in verse 8. You see, Paul says, whatever is true and honorable and just and pure. Those words, whenever Paul uses those words in any of his epistles, is always talking to the truths of God's word. And this is what Paul's saying. You want to experience peace? You want to practice peace? 
You want to to know what it means to experience this peace in a real way? He's saying, think about the word of God. Now, you might sit there this morning and say, think. Yes, think. Think about theology. Think about doctrine. What Paul is saying is all of the truths that you have learned concerning God, who is God and who is man and what has God done in order to have a relationship with us in Jesus Christ, to think and remember the sovereignty of God and all of the precious truths of God's word, Paul is saying think. Now, just for a moment, I want you to think how polar opposite that message is and how polar opposite that practice is compared to the rest of the world. You see, the world says, stop thinking. Get a control of your thoughts. Get control of your mind. Push out all of those negative thoughts. Go to the beach and just drown your sorrows away and hopefully you'll forget about that. But I want to ask you a question. How does that work the next morning? You see, the problems are still there and the fears are still there and the anxieties are still there. And so in a world that says to stop thinking and to block it all out, Christianity says, no, think about it all. Don't stop thinking. Paul is saying in the midst of anxiety, if you want to experience peace, think. Don't stop thinking because it's the moment that we stop thinking and remembering the truths of God that we stop thinking and we forget the truth that God is sovereign over all, that is when we are gripped by fear and that is when we will be crippled by anxiety. Listen, in the last 48 to 72 hours, I have seen the strongest Christians go off the deep end and take their theology with them. And this is not a moment that we toss out everything we believe concerning God. If there was ever a time to remember and think about the truths of God, it is now. Because Paul says, without thinking about these things, there is no hope and you cannot practice peace. Parents, I beg you, what a moment you have while school is out and routines are turned upside down. Take these moments to teach your children the truths concerning God's word. This is a culture-shaping moment. This is a worldview moment for us to say we as Christians and as a Christian family, we respond differently. Yes, we are cautious and careful, but we never, ever give up hope. And we as parents are called to remind our children of the truths of God's word. What an opportunity to remind our children and the watching world that God is on his throne. And that this is my father's world. So practice thinking. So Paul defines for us this peace. It's an otherworldly peace. He teaches us the practice of experiencing this peace. But lastly, he gives us this, the secret of this peace. You see, you and I don't have enough willpower. You and I can't just sit there at home or in our office or wherever you might find yourself this morning and just think hard and just try our best to experience this peace 
You see, in verse 7, Paul gives us the secret for attaining this peace. In verse 7, he says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. You see, Paul is super intentional there of separating the mind and the heart. We just talked about the mind. But Paul wants us to understand that the heart, too, has to be captured by this good news. That it can't just be your mind captured by the truth of God, but it must be your heart. Your heart must be found in the good news of Jesus Christ. Your heart has to be captured by this Jesus. And this is what it, how it must be captured. That your heart must be captured in such a way that you determine and understand that there is nothing more beautiful and more lovely, as Paul says here in chapter 4, than the cross of Jesus Christ, and that your heart surrenders itself to Jesus as your only Lord and as your only Savior. All throughout the Bible, there are clear examples of the natural consequences of men and women, of boys and girls that do not surrender their hearts to Jesus. Natural consequences of living in this world as if God does not exist. And the Bible continually says what the natural consequences are. That your life will forever be a life tossed to and from like waves, like a violent waves of the sea. That your life is one that is built on the sand instead of on the rock. The natural consequences of not centering your life and your heart on Jesus Christ can only result in continual, deep restlessness, anxiety, and constant panic. But it begs the question in closing this morning, why? Why should I surrender my heart? To this Jesus? Why is this Jesus more lovely and more beautiful, even in a world full of darkness and panic and fear? Why should my heart be gripped by nothing other than the cross of Jesus Christ? Well, this is the good news this morning for you. You see, it was on the cross of Jesus Christ that Jesus himself took on all of the consequences of this world. He took on the consequences of our sin. He took on the consequences of our restlessness. And even on the cross, he took on our loss of peace. And it was on the cross of Jesus Christ that all of the consequences that should have fallen on you and me fell on him. You see, on the cross, we do not see a Jesus full of peace. But we see a Jesus crying out in anguish. Even his very last words are words in which he cries out to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the Jesus we see on the cross is one who dies the most violent death and screams the most violent cries because the peace that you and I crave, the peace that Jesus had, he took off and he lost that peace. 
And he took on our fears and our anxieties and all of our burdens so that you and I, through faith in Jesus Christ alone, could experience the peace that Paul talks about here. And that is the secret. That is the secret of the power of the cross. Jesus lost all of his peace so that you and I could experience it forever. You see, there is not a single person today that does not want this peace and does not need this peace, but they have no idea where they could find it. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself this morning, you're listening and saying, there's no way that you could have this peace. You see, here's the reality this morning. The coronavirus is just one crisis, but there are people listening today and out all throughout the world that are dealing with more problems bigger than the coronavirus. There are people listening today and all throughout the world that are burdened and gripped by fear after fear and anxiety after anxiety. And there is only one hope in the midst of this hopelessness. It is surrendering, surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. You see, here's the truth. That there is a sickness and an illness that is far worse than any virus. It is the illness of sin. And it leads to death. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the Bible also goes on to say that the gift of God is eternal life. And in a moment, I am going to pray... And wherever you are this morning, or wherever you find yourself listening to this message, I am going to give you an opportunity to pray to God, maybe for the very first time, and you can confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and that God can be your God today through a relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing that he lived the life that you could never live, died on the cross, not only for our physical ailments, but for our spiritual sin that separates us from God, that we can have the confidence this morning that we can have life to the full, both now and forevermore. You know, through all of the news and through all of the articles that have come out concerning the coronavirus, you might have seen how this virus got, his, got its name. When you look closely under a microscope at the coronavirus, you see that it looks like a what? It looks like a halo with spikes around it. And so the Latin phrase for crown is corona. You see, it looks like a crown. And how ironic that it seems like everywhere we turn and everything we hear, it seems like the coronavirus rules and reigns. How ironic that it was given that name. But let me tell you something this morning. The coronavirus does not reign. And it does not rule supreme. The throne only has room for one. And it is Jesus Christ who has taken his rightful place on the throne and sits on the right hand of God the Father. And he this morning is the one who reigns as King of kings and Lord of lords. And I want you to be overwhelmed by that reality not overwhelmed by fear and anxiety, but be overwhelmed by the good news that Jesus reigns and that he can reign in your life this morning. 
So that the Christian listening this morning, would you lean into more than maybe ever before, would you lean into this truth that God reigns and through Jesus Christ you can experience an otherworldly peace regardless of the circumstances and situation and through your peace you would be an agent of hope to a world that is watching to those that don't know Jesus this morning I would plead with you to not miss this moment this morning or whenever you're listening to this message that you would be overwhelmed by Jesus for the very first time and that you would place your faith and trust in him. You know, many people ask me this weekend, so you're canceling church? And my response to them was, impossible. You can't cancel church because the church of Jesus Christ is not a worship service. The church of Jesus Christ is all those who have surrendered their life to Jesus and all those that have been redeemed and experienced this peace now and forever. And so let's go out this week and in the weeks to come and for a watching world in the midst of panic, in the midst of fear, declare to them, this is my Father's world and oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, right now, whoever is listening to this message, whenever they're listening to this message, may they acknowledge, maybe for the very first time, this truth that Jesus, you alone are the King. You alone are the Savior. And you alone is what this world needs. You are the one and the only one that wears the crown. And if you find yourself this morning for the very first time recognizing your need for this Jesus, would you say this, Lord Jesus Christ, give me this peace. Give me this peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I now acknowledge that you are the only hope, that you are the only thing that I need, that you are the only thing that can give me a peace that passes all understanding that I realize for the very first time today that you took on the consequences, that you took on our fears, that you took on our anxieties, and you even took on our sin. And in return, we get a peace that we can face any circumstance and any situation, a peace that gives hope to a watching world. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.